Hey, Pawn family, it's you and welcome back to another episode of the Pawn Leaders Podcast. I have a very timely guest with me today on the show, my good friend Eric from The Cashflow Doctor. He's going to teach us the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs are making when it comes to their taxes, as well as some things that you can do today to save money on your taxes. And I know all of us want to you know, keep some more money in our pocket while doing things legally. So a little bit of information about Eric. Eric has been a tax practitioner since 2009. He had four retail locations preparing taxes. He was an IRS registered enrolled agent. He helped taxpayers uh, with audits and tax controversies and negotiations. And he left that business and started the Cashflow Doctor because he wanted to focus on tax planning and tax strategy. Now, most tax professionals, they're just historians. They look at the past. But Eric is a futurist and he looks at the future and how he can help you with the goals and cash flow objectives uh, as a major part of your business and your personal life. So think of most CPAs and tax professionals as a general practice physician while Eric is your tax surgeon. This was an incredible episode. I learned so much from this episode and I'm going to listen to this one a couple of times. Before we get to the show, a uh, good shout out to my friends at Podium who really, I got these new stats from them. I'm asking them for stats. They're putting them together to show you guys that they're really the best of the best. And this is basically taking all the Podium Pawnbroker customers as of February 2020. And the stats show that those who are using Podium and the Google My Business interactions, they're having 59% more clicks to call, which basically means that more people are calling their stores and 120% more listing views, which basically means that more people are looking at their listing and they're walking into their stores. So go to podium.com slash leaders to get an incredible discount and no sign-up fee when it comes to Podium. And now, this is my episode with the Cashflow Doctor, my good friend, Eric. Hey everyone, my name is Igaladado and this is the Pawn Leaders Podcast a podcast to help you make more money, stress less, and live an epic life, all while working at the pawn shop. Eric, welcome to the podcast, brother. Hey, thank you for having me on. No, I know we've been uh, going back and forth. I met you at an incredible event, and I saw you speak. I saw you, uh, you were kind of like the host of the event. You were emceeing the event. Yes. And, uh, and I know people were telling me what you do, and I know that I had to bring you on to be able to help the pawnbrokers deal with what's going on with their tax issues. So thank you once again. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a big passion of mine. Um, entrepreneurs, I feel like, are one of the, the greatest forces for good on this planet. And anything that I could do to help maximize the profit that you have will allow you as a business owner, a pawn shop owner, to impact communities that you serve in a much greater scale. Awesome. I love that, man. And obviously we've got tax time coming up really quickly. So this is super, super uh, timely. And before that, I want to say happy birthday because you're here on your birthday serving and that's huge. So I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome, brother. So let's, let's kind of get into it. So let people know um, why you do what you do and how you got into uh, helping people plan their taxes. Got it. You know, that's a really good question. And much like most of your community and pawn leaders and yourself, you know, I've been an entrepreneurial since I was young. Um, and I'm 
counterculture, like the, in the, my parents are Vietnamese, Vietnamese refugees, and that the stereotypical minority or immigrant story is you had to be a doctor, attorney, or a, a, a dentist. And that was neither of any of the things I wanted to be. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I've been an entrepreneur since I was young, started off by flipping things on eBay and then became um, one of the first eBay power sellers. And then I started uh, out into the insurance and financial market and financial planning, and then finally into the tax business. <clears throat> and what I've always really enjoyed about the entrepreneurial story is our ability to be nimble, to be able to be really resourceful with the resources that we have and the ability for us to create this time and freedom flexibility. So I've seen it all from when I was young, flipping stuff, just like many uh, palm leaders do. You know, you find areas of opportunity where you get inventory at a relatively low cost or distressed assets. You have the ability of finding markets to sell it at, at a profit to support your family and support communities you serve. And so I originally really got into the finance field in the financial planning world. And what I started noticing is a lot of people started coming up to me and asking me questions about their basic finances. And one of the biggest questions people always ask is when it comes to taxation. Because the reality is, as an entrepreneur, there's a number of things that we have as high cost of running a business. You have your fixed costs like your rent and your overhead and everything, but typically your biggest expenses are your payroll, which is with your team and your employees, and then your tax bill, right? Uncle Sam and the federal government, even the state, depending on what state you're in, they typically are your highest paid employees that do absolutely nothing for you. <laughs> they're like my partners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like the partners that just kind of like stare at you and just put a hand out for when it's time to pay them. <laughs> And what I started realizing is there's a lot of confusion in the tax world and there's a lot of fear, um, rightfully so, in the tax world when it comes to things. And as I started getting more and more questions as a financial planner, I became really curious about tax code. And this is about 10 years ago, back in, um, actually a little bit more than 10 years ago, 12 years ago, back in 2008, the financial planning market started changing, if you remember economically, uh, the market started crashing, real estate started going down. And at the same time, coincidentally, my dad for years is like, hey, if you're going to be in the finance world, you should also learn about taxation. I ended up purchasing a number of tax franchises, uh, opened up four offices in, in uh, central Massachusetts, Worcester, Mass. And that's how I started my tax uh, career. And as I started working with more and more entrepreneurs, I started realizing that there's very common core inefficiencies and challenges that all entrepreneurs have when it comes to our taxation. And the challenges in the accounting world, we are kind of like the historians of, of finance, right? You see your accountant after years over, you give them your P&L or your profit and loss after years over, and you say, here, prepare my tax return. Your accountant prepares your tax return, gives you a piece of paper that says, I need you to sign here, and by the way, this is what you owe to the government. And as a business professional, you're looking at this tax return saying, shoot, man, I made good money, but why am I paying so much? Couldn't I have I done anything different? By this point in time, your accountant's like, well, the year's already over. You really can't do anything, but here, here are some things maybe you could do next year. And most commonly, most accountants advocate spending money to get tax deductions, right? And that always drove me crazy. It's like, why should I be buying more stuff that I don't need to get a tax deduction? Isn't there a better way of doing things, right? People always say, oh, buy more inventory or not inventory, buy more assets like at the end of the year, buy a car, buy a truck, buy equipment. And you know, if you have a need for equipment, if you have a need for a truck in your business, 
Of course, go and purchase it. But I've seen so many entrepreneurs spend tens of thousands of dollars frivolously burning money that they could use for the families or for other things they could do to purchase assets that they don't need to get this so-called one-time tax deduction, right? So I started digging deeper into it. And as I started also representing taxpayers when they get audited by the IRS, I would go and represent them. I started realizing what the IRS is looking for, <clears throat> what they consider to be a clean business in terms of taxation, and what's an efficient way of, of running a business in terms of taxation in terms of accounting. So I've spent the last eight years just understanding advanced tax strategy. And when it comes down to it, when it comes to taxation, there's four distinctly different things you could do when it comes to tax strategy to help you minimize your tax. Because we all, at the end of the day, like you see on Facebook all the time, people are complaining about taxes. And I totally get it. People say, things crazy like taxation is theft or this is why should I be paying this to Uncle Sam? And yeah. let's be totally clear. Taxation is an important part of living in a first world country, right? It's, it's critical. That's how we provide services and everything. And I strongly believe that we as, as citizens in America or anywhere around the world, I don't think we have a problem paying tax. I think our challenge of paying taxes, understanding that our government is fundamentally flawed and they spend money frivolously on our hard earned money. Yeah. So if I can show entrepreneurs how to be more efficient with what they pay to the federal and state government or to the local taxing authorities and now put more money back in their pocket, that money now can be used to actually do charities in the local communities, to provide services for their local communities, or even just spending more time with their families. And that's what I'm really passionate about. It's not the fact that I'm taking money from the federal government. No, it's, it's I want to be able to allow my clients to allocate their resources more properly and allow them to make the impact that they want to make as opposed to expecting the federal government, instead of investing in missiles and bombs and warfare, instead utilizing that money to invest in their local charities or invest in their families or the legacies that they want to build. And that's, that's what I'm so passionate about. I love that, man. And you mentioned the truck and it gave me you know, a memory back, I don't know, it was like seven years ago, my brother and I, we did, we did well one year and we called the accountant and we're like, Hey man, we're going to owe a ton of money in taxes. What do we do? He made us go buy these two huge, ugly trucks that we would never buy uh, because they had to be over a certain weight. And I'm not against trucks. It just, it's just not my type of car. And so my brother and I were seeing these Ford F-150s uh, for like a year and we spend a bunch of money on them and we're just like, why? Like, what are we doing? So it's super funny that you mentioned the cars. Now, Eric, let's go into really quickly, um, you know, you talked about like methods of saving money. What, let's talk about the mistakes. Like, what are some mistakes that entrepreneurs are currently making today that's costing them way more money in tax or it's making them write a bigger checks to Uncle Sam? Yeah, you know, so the first big mistake that I see, and I work with clients typically in a half million to $10 million of profit range, um, the, the biggest mistake that I see is improper accounting. And it's not even a tax thing, right? But at the end of the day, when you pay your tax, you're paying tax on the profit of your business. Now, the challenge is a lot of entrepreneurs, as you get started out, you get started out because it's your passion, you enjoy it, or you see an opportunity. And the accounting side, the tax side of it is almost an afterthought where you're not thinking about to the end of the year and you see your accountant like, oh shoot, I should have done this differently. So the number one challenge or problem that I see is accounting isn't being done on a regular basis. 
Uh, accounting, unfortunately, in the industry is where folks, they look at your numbers at the end of the year, and that's fallen onto the entrepreneur's responsibility. And most entrepreneurs, they don't do their accounting until the end of the year. Now, the problem with that is because you can't see what your business is doing on a monthly basis, you can't make the appropriate financial decisions that you need to make because you only see at the end of the year. So my first recommendation is to do your accounting on a regular basis and have your accountant, your bookkeeper, or yourself review your finances at the minimum every single month. Because that way you could see the trends of your business. Are you more profitable? Are you less profitable? Do you have the capital to invest in the expansion of your business? Do you have the capital to purchase more assets or lend more money out in your pawn shop or your pawn um, your pawn retail locations um, as you can, right? How much accessible capital, how much accessible cash you have. So that's the first mistake I see. And I see a lot of businesses, even seven figure businesses shut down relatively quickly because they don't know their numbers. I was working with a client. <clears throat> he came to me, unfortunately, too late. And I took a look at their books. And this is a business that was pushing, I would say about like $7 million a year in sales. Wow. But there's a number of factors that happened really quickly that was out of their control, which quickly caused them to shut down. Things like they were importing products from China. So the tariffs hit and there's this huge stall in the importation of products and it caused a lot of products to be held at the border, right? So now they have all this inventory that's held up. The second thing that, that was a challenge was because they saw that they were selling $7 million of product per year, they thought that they could grow into that by hiring a lot of employees, which a lot of us foresee and we're like, okay, how do I scale my business? I need more employees to take on the workload that I could do. And that's normally a good business practice, but they didn't know their numbers. So they took on a lot of employees and then they had this huge cash flow crunch between all the marketing they were spending, their inventory that was tied up. They were hopefully gonna, I mean, their whole goal was to get the inventory in quickly. The marketing would be spent, you know, quickly be converted into sales. The sales will come in, be profit, and then now they can pay their employees. A combination, right, they call it the perfect storm, a combination of things that happened, which ended up rapidly causing the degradation of this business for $7 million business to completely shut down, go bankrupt within a process of three months. Wow. Now, if they were looking at their books on a monthly basis, if they're reviewing your books and their numbers on a regular basis, they would have qu quickly been able to take a look at what was going on and react to it and make the appropriate decisions. Shoot, our inventory is being held. We have all this advertising going out. Let's stop the advertising. Or we have all these employees are paying payroll for we have a hold here. We have a cash flow problem here. Let's either cut down on the time schedule for these employees or let some employees go. And that's a big challenge I see a lot of business owners have is because they're not looking at their books or their accounting on a frequent basis. They don't know where the numbers are. And at the end of the day, that's a fundamental part of business. Yes, we want to serve clients. Yes, we want to provide a good value for service. Yes, we want to be profitable. We want to sell, sell, sell. But if you're not managing the back end of your business, you don't know where you stand. It could cause a lot of trouble down the road. I've seen that. I've seen pawn shops who have been open for 30 years. And when I've asked them, you know, how was, how was last month? Do you have a P&L? They're like, no, we just do it every you know, year at the end of the year. We just want, you know, there's money in the till. We're fine. And I'm like, oh my God, you can't. You can't do that. And there was another time where a pawn shop that I was working with, we did the math and they were bringing in like 1% profit. That's it. They were spending way too much money as to what was coming in. So I love that, man. So make sure that you do a proper accounting 
at least on a monthly basis, you should have a bookkeeper account in, have a P&L and, and a balance sheet given to you so you know what's going on. Love it, man. What's, what's the next mistake that you see entrepreneurs making? Yeah, that's so the, the second mistake that I see happen a lot is they don't, uh, business owners don't have the proper entity. So I see a lot of business owners, and this is, I'm not giving any legal advice because I'm not an attorney, uh, but we all know a lot of folks, you could either be a sole proprietor, uh, which is basically the simplest way of running a business, but the challenge with it is you have full liability of your business. So if something was happening to the business and the business was sued against, it could go after your personal assets. So most folks say, okay, let me become a limited liability company. Limited liability company basically separates your personal finances from your business, which is great. But the challenge with that is you're paying way too much in tax. You typically would pay an additional 15.3%, which can be significant, right? If you're making 100 grand profit, that's another $15,300 of paying to the government of your own money. Uh-huh. that you don't have to be giving away, right? So what I'd recommend for most business owners, and you know, it really varies, it's a case-by-case basis, but for most business owners, I recommend looking into considering being an S-corporation. And this is a very basic fundamental thing. This is not an advanced piece of strategy, although some tax preparers perceive it or think it's advanced strategy. It is definitely not. This is like a fundamental basic thing, is choosing the right entity to save you on your ordinary income taxes. And here's the difference, right? Let's say if you make that 100 grand of profit. If you're an LLC, just tax as a standard partnership or LLC, or if you're a sole proprietor, on top of your ordinary income tax rate, which is probably about like 21% or so, you're paying another 15,003 to the federal government that you don't need to. Whereas if you're an S corporation, and this is just a matter of contacting the IRS and saying, hey guys, I know we're an LLC, I wanna be taxed as an S corporation, or setting up from the get-go as an S corporation, you get that approval from the IRS, now what's really cool is you pay yourself a salary, which is really good fundamentally because now you're not pulling money out of the business to pay your personal expenses, which gets really messy and destroys the whole asset protection part of running an entity. Now you're paying yourself a salary to pay your expenses personally, which is really good. But on top of that too, let's say for example, you made a hundred grand, you pay yourself 50 grand in salary. You still got 50 grand left over of profit. You distribute that profit to you. Now, here's where the difference lies. You pay that 15.3% on the salary you pay yourself, which is now like 77.50, but the remaining 50 grand that came out as a profit distribution doesn't have self-employment tax. So by choosing the right entity, you've just saved yourself 7,500 bucks basically in tax just by choosing the right entity, right? So that's a super common thing to do that I see happen a lot is uh, business owners aren't choosing the right entity and you know they don't, they're just not getting the right guidance. They're not getting the right follow through with their accounting team or their tax team. And again, it's because taxpayers typically are very reactionary. We see stuff a year after it's happened, right? It, there's no real good planning happening. So choosing the right entity is typically the second biggest issue I see. Now, can there be other good entities set up in? Absolutely. There's certain cases where a C corporation would be good. Another question I get all the time is, Eric, I live in California. My business is California. I've been told to set up my business in Nevada to save on taxes. I don't agree with that either because what ends up happening is the income passes through to you individually. You live in California, you're going to pay California tax. So now you have an extra tax return to the state of Nevada that you have to pay for yeah. to your tax repair to file and a filing fee 
because somebody on the internet told you some magical unicorn <laughs> idea of like saving taxes. It's, it's crazy. But that's, that's definitely like problem number two that I see when it comes to entrepreneurs trying to save on taxes. I love that. And, and, I, and I'm smiling because I have an S corp and I went to, you know, I went to my lawyer and I said, Hey, everyone's doing an LLC as a coach consultant. He's like, I don't care what everyone else is doing. I want you to do it right. So I think the fact of the matter is, is, you know, if someone's t- telling you set something up because that's the way they did it, don't, don't do that. Go research. And Eric is saying, become an S corp or set up a corporation and you can save up to 15% on your taxes. I just sounded like a Geico commercial, but, uh, <laughs> 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 but, uh, but it's true. And, and I've seen the effects of that as well. Now, are there any other mistakes that you see before we get into what people can do to save some money on taxes? Yeah, the, the, the biggest third mistake I see is they don't pay themselves enough salary or they pay themselves too much in salary. So salary will dictate what you pay in employment tax. Employment tax is Medicare and Social Security. And that's an important component of just, again, living in a first world country, right? But I see a lot of folks not pay themselves enough in salary. And now what they end up doing is they dip into a company on an irregular basis when they need cash to pay for their bills. And that causes a challenge. First of all, sometimes some business owners, they write checks out directly from the business to pay their mortgage or to pay their car note. And that now is considered piercing the corporate veil by commingling business and personal. You wanna keep them completely separate, as separate as possible to protect your business, protect your personal assets, but also make your bookkeeping much more clear. Right. The second challenge is because business owners, they don't pay themselves enough salary, they can't participate in maximizing things like retirement plans or asset shifting or income shifting, where they could get the benefits of these really unique parts of the tax code that nobody really talks about, but can create dramatic tax return reductions. So for example, I had a client, he had a company that was profiting him about like $500,000 per year, strong profit. Now, the challenge was he was paying himself a $70,000 a year salary. He was taking the rest out of it as a profit distribution. And his whole strategy was he wanted to save on tax. So I sat there and I chatted with him. I was like, hey, by the way, you're, you have a profit of 500 grand and then you're taking 60 grand out in profit. I mean, out in salary. What's, what's going on with the remaining $440,000? And this is where planning becomes really important, right? Tax preparation is keeping you out of trouble with the government, which is totally fine. You got to do it every year, just like you do your sales tax and all that stuff. That's just a mandatory thing you got to do. Yeah. But planning is a different component of the tax process where you're looking at what you want to do in the future. So I talked to this guy and I was like, Hey, by the way, what are you doing with the remaining 440? He's like, well, you know, my living expenses are actually about $120,000 per year. Um, but I'm, I really don't have a place for the rest of my money right now. I'm just paying my tax on it and doing my thing, but it's just accumulating in my bank account. And then eventually I find investments. And I sat and thought about it. I was like, Hey, what if the federal government could give you a credit or a deduction for half of which contribute to your own retirement account? He's like, how does that work? I was like, okay, well, if we increased your salary, right, from 60 to 220, yeah, now you have a larger employment tax, but there's this new tax code change that happened when Trump came into office where you could deduct up to 20% of what you pay yourself in payroll, which wipes out that self-employment tax, which is super cool. But on top of that now, we can max out something that we call a solo 401k, where now you could park away in this guy's situation, 59,000 bucks per year. And in his tax bracket, he's going to get a 
basically a credit of like 40%, a tax deduction of 40% of it against what he contributes. But because it's a self-directed account, it's going to allow him to invest in commercial real estate. Because oh, he wasn't a guy who wants, he likes tangible things. Many of us that are in a product space, like when I was, I was a big eBay power seller, just like a lot of you guys are in the guys and gals are in the, the, the pond industry. You like tangible things, right? As opposed to like looking at stocks and bonds and don't get me wrong. Stocks and bonds are a very important part of anyone's investment portfolio, but this guy, he wanted to invest in real estate. And so now he had the ability to park away almost 60,000 bucks a year, get almost $30,000 back from the federal and state government for putting into his own retirement account. And now he's going to put that into real estate which is super Man. unique, right? So by paying himself an artificially low salary to save on taxes, he inadvertently shortchanged himself from dramatically increasing the wealth and legacy of his family. Wow, that's incredible. And I know that a lot of people do that, right? They take a small salary. I don't want to get taxed. I'll get some cash from the till or I'll give myself a dividend and go that way. But I never thought about that. That's huge, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, Absolutely. let's get to the other side of this, right? Let's get to like what people, so those are the biggest mistakes. Let's talk about a couple of things that people can implement today after they listen to this to help with their tax situation. What are some of those things that they can do? Got it. So there's four distinct different separations of when it comes to tax strategy. You have tax strategy, it's based on IRS tax codes. So that's things like S corporations. That's things like um, setting up the right entity and utilizing a tax code, deducting things properly. So you have tax code, you, you have tax code planning. You also have time-based planning. Time-based planning is using things like a solo 401k or deferred qualified plans where you're shifting your tax liability to some point in the future. You also have things like um, income shifting strategies where you're moving income from a higher tax bracket situation to a lower tax bracket situation. A good example of that, because I talked about code already, we've talked about time shifting. Let's talk about income shifting. Many of you out there that are running amazing pawn shops may have children that are of age to be able to work for you. But did you know that you could pay your kids up to 12 grand a year, have absolutely no income tax to them? And also for you as the employer, if it's set up properly, there will be no self-employment tax that's being paid for by you or your child. So your, your kid's getting 12 grand effectively tax-free. Now, a lot of folks are like, I have my kids working for me, but I don't want to pay them that much money. Or I'm, I'm thinking about like putting my kids in private school, or I've, I'm thinking about putting a, a college savings account together for my kid. What if you could do all of that and get a tax break? So here's what you do. You have a child of working age, I would say eight, eight and up, right? If they could shred paper, file your paperwork, they go in your shop or your, your, your pawn store and they're sweeping the floors, they're working. They're doing a real actual legitimate job. You set them up on payroll in a specifically designed what they call FMC or family management company. Now you're paying them 12 grand a year. Now what can you do with it? You could put half that money into a Roth IRA that's owned by your child and you can put the other half of it into a college savings plan. So now you've effectively got a tax deduction for saving in a tax-free retirement account. Wow. So Roth IRAs typically are not tax deductible because they're after tax. Yeah. But we've just changed the dynamics of it where we've basically made a Roth IRA a pre-tax vehicle Amazing. that's tax-free forever, right? And so I have some clients that are like, you know, I have a child that's in, in private school. And private school is not a deductible expense. 
well, let's pay your child that comes to work for you for the summer, 12 grand for that summer work doing a legitimate job. And now take that money, deposit into the child's bank account, but use that money and designate it right to the private school. Oh. So indirectly that private school tuition is tax deductible. It's crazy. crazy. Right. Yeah. So that is what, that is an idea of an income shifting strategy. Now imagine doing the same thing with elderly parents right? You may have a parent that you're supporting. They're just living on social security or they're just struggling to get by. Now you can have a parent come in and to work with you or maybe manage, manage your property coming in and sweep or clean. And now you're paying your parent where you would normally have given them the money anyway, but now turned it into a tax deduction as opposed to something that's just coming out of your pocket. Amazing. So that's income shifting. And finally, the last strategies that we could do is what we call product-based strategies. So product-based strategies typically are for larger businesses where we're utilizing one-time use of products to be able to lower tax liability. And that's not something that I love doing unless it fits the situation. Cause I'm not a big advocate for spending money to get tax deductions. Yeah. However, there is a place for it. So here are some advanced things that could be done, like utilizing things that are conservation easements where basically you're putting money into a charity that purchases a piece of land that gets donated to a land trust or a charity, but now you get a big tax deduction for being able to do that. Other tools out there are things like what they call captive insurance policies, where you could put up to, um, and it all depends on the business, but I had a client that was putting $200,000 a year into his captive insurance policy, which now is a tax deduction because it's a business expense for running this insurance policy. But when he sells his business, he closes out that insurance policy and all that money gets given back to him tax-free plus interest. Wow. Right. Okay. So that's the way, that's the situation where the client was, he was making a million dollars per year. Yeah. He wasn't using all of it. And he's like, I want to create a legacy for down the road. So there's four different ways to save on taxes. There's code-based strategies, there's time-based strategies, there's income-shifting strategies, and there's product-based strategies. So there's a lot of things that can be done, but things you can implement immediately are, number one, make sure you're choosing the right entity. Again, highly recommend S-Corporation. And there's advanced ways of setting it up where you could really, if you have multiple companies, and many of you out there have a lot of different opportunities that have come across and maybe partners in different companies, there's really ideal ways of setting that up. Um, other things are like the time shifting one, utilizing retirement plan type of tools in a proper basis, as opposed to the traditional, let's just put it in the stock market and just hope to see what happens with it. Yeah. Uh, there's also like um, uh, income shifting strategies, like paying children, which is something that can be do immediately for any of the pollen leaders out there to have kids and they want to start saving for your kid's future. Um, and then there's product-based stuff where, you know, if you're a higher profit business and you're not utilizing all the capital, there are a lot of different distinct ways where you can get a huge tax deduction up front. Um, another good one too is that, that I've been working with the clients is using real estate syndication. So syndication is, let's say you're a pawnbroker that's doing really well and you want to start investing in commercial real estate. But the problem is a lot of the, the, the 20, 50, 100 unit properties are in the tens of millions of dollars. So it's hard to participate in. So there's a lot of syndications out there where they collect investors' assets and collect investors' money, and then they all chip in as equity owners into a property. So I had a client, he wanted to put away 200 grand into a syndication. He wanted to participate in this 100-unit real estate development. 
we put that money in. Now what's really cool is because commercial properties, large scale commercial properties, we could rapidly accelerate the depreciation of it. He put in the 200 grand. He was able to pull out $150,000 of depreciation in the first year and get a huge tax break to basically invest money into the syndication. And now he's getting a return on his investment. When he sells, when they, as a group, sell the property, they have the asset appreciation, huge return, a lot of things. Uh, What I'd highly recommend (coughs) for any business owner that's looking at the tax strategy is look at these four different tax strategies and make sure, is your tax professional? And again, I wanna be clear, there's a huge difference between tax preparers and most general CPAs out there and tax strategists. There are two totally different job roles. It's like a financial planner and a stockbroker, completely different job roles, right? A lot of folks come to me and say, Eric, why should I work for you? I already have a CPA, I already have a tax guy. And I'm like, no, that's amazing. You have somebody that keeps you out of trouble, but you don't have anybody that's looking at your future. So it's a tag team process where I come in and I work with a lot of CPAs. I work with a lot of tax preparers and say, this is what I'm doing for this client's tax strategy. Here's why. This is why it's backed up by the IRS tax code. So it's audit proof, but this is why we're doing it. And it's, it works out magically. So that's, that's one of the, the, the big areas of opportunity that I see a lot of entrepreneurs are missing. Uh, just because there's so much confusion in the tax world. Well, I think that first of all, Eric, you are very patient and the way you explain things makes sense. And that's like a breath of fresh air, right? So just, just the rule where you can pay your uh, child and then you can use that money to pay their private school. I'm sure a lot of people are going to give you a call or say, Hey, I've got three kids. I've got one that's 16, one that's 10, one that's, you know, eight, let's rock and roll. And that's $36,000 right there that you can pay for school or whatnot. Now, And I love the fact that you said that because I think that there's a misconception is very real that your accountant is strategizing for you when the truth is that your accountant is just preparing the taxes for you and making sure that the books are clean and and make sense. Right. And so if you want to take it to that next step of leaving legacy of being a pawn leader, which is what we talk about using someone like you to strategize about the future makes a thousand percent sense. A hundred percent. Hundred percent, and you know, a lot of folks. Here's a here's a common quote, and I'm probably butchering it, but they always say the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Yeah. The next best time is today. Yeah. So a lot of folks come to me and say, Eric, is it too late? Is it too late for me to make any changes? It's never too late, right? Every day that you're not thinking about tax strategy, or every day that you don't have a tax strategist look at your situation, is excess money that can be going to your family, or to your favorite nonprofit, or to your church, or to whatever your favorite religion is. That's going to the federal government. That's being spent on things that you. I mean, twelve hundred dollar hammers and two thousand dollar toilets for the military, right? This is money that's being used improperly. That if I was able to show you how you could have 30% more money in your pocket that you could designate for your local community, for your local charity, for scaling your business to impact your family, creating a legacy. Or or even giving that money to veterans, right? Like however you feel fit. Um, But it's just not, you know, somebody said, sorry to interrupt you. Somebody said yesterday, you know, taxation is theft. And then I said, well, I was just in Mexico city and my roads are, I can drive on my roads here. I can't drive on the roads over there. It's insanity. You know, so you're paying for a great service, but then we also want to keep some money in our, in our pocket and do it legally as well. Correct. Correct. Awesome. And you know, there's, there's a big misconception is 
like folks are always scared about paying tax. Let's brief flip that conversation. When you're scared about paying tax, there's a scarcity mindset. There's this, this mindset of like trying to hold on to too much, right? This, this scarcity mindset. Let's turn it into abundance. By you paying more tax, that means you're doing much more successfully financial, uh, more successfully in a financial standpoint. You're providing more to society. But that being said, it's important to ensure that you're running the most tax efficient streamlined business possible. So when you are paying more tax in an efficient and streamlined possible way, you know you're being very successful, right? As opposed to what a lot of folks are thinking now, they want to pay less in tax. So they artificially restrict the success of their business because all they're concerned about is their tax. Let's reframe that conversation. It's good to pay more in tax as long as you're efficient because that means you're being more and more successful and resourceful with the things that you've been given. And I also think it's a level of, of up because we, we keep on talking about in business, can I spend this trip on my Amex and make it a write-off? Can I buy these clothes and make it a business write-off? But we're talking something more you know, in scale here, uh, something that you can do year after year and save tens of thousands of dollars, right? And so let's talk about that just really, really quickly. When people think about, oh, you know, can I spend on my Amex card to make it a tax deduction as opposed to pay it through my own credit card? What's a quick tip just so that people know, like how, how, do, you, how do you segregate or how do you separate the two when it's a personal and it's a professional expense? Mm, that's a great question. So let me just tell you a story. I had a client that I just work with. He has a very successful staffing company here in Orange County, California, brings in about $22 million of revenue, and his net profit at the end of the year is a little bit over $1 million. Very successful guy, very well-established guy. And the challenge was he was always so afraid of taxes that he was running a lot of his personal expenses through his business. So the way that we originally were connected was he was trying to sell his business to a private equity firm. And you start seeing that a lot, in, especially in the pawn space. There's a lot of mergers and acquisitions happening. There's a lot of private equity companies saying there's a lot of profit potentially in this industry. And a lot of P firms want to come in and buy out companies. So his question was like, okay, this private equity firm came to me. They turned down my offer because there's too many what we call addbacks, too much personal expense running through the business. So he came to me and we chatted and I was like, hey, let me look at your books and let me look at all of your tax returns. I need to see everything. So I did an in-depth financial audit. That's, this is like my first line of defense for a client. Did a complete financial audit and turns out there's a number of gaps that were happening. Number one, because of he, number one, he's in a super high liability business. Staffing is very high liability. But by adding all his personal expenses in his business, he effectively lost the asset protection of his entity, which is not a great idea. The second thing was because he was adding back so many expenses to save on his tax, it was impacting his EBITDA. EBITDA is earnings before interest tax and depreciation and amortization. Now, how's, why is that important? The valuation of your business is based on the multiple of your EBITDA. So he was running over a half a million dollars of personal expenses wow. through his business. Now, his business can be sold at a six times multiplier. So half a million dollars to save on $100,000 a year in tax was shortchanging the value of his company by $3 million. Wow. See, now, so that is, that is seeing the tree instead of the forest, right? He was trying to save money, trying to save hundred grand a year or $150,000 per year, but he's shortchanging himself by $3 million because he was afraid of taxation. That's wow. crazy. 
Yeah. So what I did is we came in, I restructured a number of things in this business, the way the ownership is set up, the way the expenses came in. I created a separate entity house, all of his medical expenses, all of his ad backs. So it didn't do any actual direct impact to his main business. And when it was come, come time to sell or bring on an investor, we could easily segment that entity off. I was able to increase the valuation of his business, not by $3 million, but by $5 million by cleaning up some of the stuff in his books. And indirectly every year, I saved him $175,000 in tax, which is wow. substantial, right? For this business Huge. owner. Yeah. So when you come down to it, right, you want to deduct things that are legitimately business expenses in your business. If you are presently utilizing things that are in that gray area of things that could be personal or business, I highly recommend utilizing a management entity to run all those expenses and have the management company bill your company. So that way it's, it's super clean on where those expenses are coming from uh -huh. if you had to do that. Um, but there's a number of things they could do that protects you as the business owner, so that way there's no sense of litigation or piercing of the corporate veil. Also, will increase your earnings before interest tax depreciation amortization, which will indirectly increase the value of your business, but also in the short term, also reduce your taxation. So I see that happen a lot. Like a lot of business owners, because they're not paying themselves enough salary, because they're afraid of the tax guy, they're commingling expenses. They're running expenses. They're paying their mortgage. They're paying for their suits and ties. They're paying for, you know, their, their, their new Rolex out of, out of their business. And because they're looking at the short-term change of how much they're saving in tax, but they're not seeing the future legacy impact that they're doing because they're trying to save pennies now instead of impact with dollars later. I love them. And just to just to clarify, piercing the corporate veil basically means that if you commingle and you get into trouble, they can come back and say, well, you've got half a million dollars of personal expenses going through here. Your corporate uh, liability umbrella is out the window. We're suing you. Absolutely. And, and I'm not an attorney, so I'm not giving, yeah. I don't want to give legal advice, but this is pretty a pretty commonly understood thing in the world is when you operate a corporation or you operate a business, you have to operate it as a business, not as your personal piggy bank. Yeah. So typically what happens is if you go into court, the judge will look at you and the plaintiff and, and say, okay, let me look at your books and let me look at your corporate documents, right? Number one, if you're not in compliance, meaning that you keep up with your corporate binder, your corporate notes, your corporate meeting minutes and everything, you're not in compliance. Number two, if the judge sees that you're paying for personal expenses out of the business, he's like, hey, you're, you're not running this as a business. You're running yeah. this as your personal piggy bank. Those are two of the most common reasons your corporate protection or your LLC protection completely disappears. And again, I'm not an attorney, so I don't yeah. want to give legal advice. You should see an attorney to be sure. But that being said, those are the two most common reasons why a business would lose its asset protection. Incredible. So, I, man, you've given so much value and I think that it's super important, especially that tax time is coming around. So if you want to talk with Eric further, and I'm sure he'll give you a couple of tips how to become an eBay power seller because all the pawn shops <laughs> want to become power sellers, <laughs> yes. go to the cashflowdoctor.com, right? And they can uh, fill out a form. They can uh, find you there. Your phone number's there and they can reach out to you. Is that right? Yeah, I'd be more than happy to, to all of you amazing pawn leaders out there, I would, I would be more than happy to spend 30 minutes 
of my time to, to chat with each and every one of you to just make sure you're moving in the right direction. And if it makes if it makes sense, I would love to build that value for your community. And if it makes sense for us to work together, amazing. If not, I would love to just continue elevating the level of entrepreneurship in this country. Because again, like I said, like I feel like we're one of the greatest superpowers when it comes to impacting the world and impacting our local communities as entrepreneurs. And the more I could put back in your own pocket, the more you could impact the folks that you love. Love it. Eric, thank you so much for being on the show, brother. Happy birthday. Again, thanks for being here on your birthday. And for those of you who are not in the uh, Facebook community, it's Pawn Leaders Podcast Community. Go check us out. Tons. We have over 800 pawnbrokers there, always talking about the show, talking about tips. And uh, listen to this. I would listen to the show two or three times with Eric. And then let your you know, account know that you're talking to a tax strategist like Eric to make those changes to save you some money. Eric, once again, thank you so much. And for those of you listening, stay tuned for the next episode of the Paul Leaders Podcast.